Welcome to the Self-Helpful Podcast, where we break down the classic and cutting-edge wisdom of self-help to discern how to actually make positive change in our lives. I'm Kevin Miller, and this is our Functional Friday episode, and we're talking about the best overall health plan for your wellness. There is one, but it's personal, and it must be comprehensive. Nobody can easily or quickly tell you the exacts and specifics, but we can absolutely help you with a framework. If you were building a car, you can be provided with the necessary ingredients that you're going to need, like a frame and suspension and body and engine, wheels, tires, interior, all that stuff. If you know that, you can choose the specifics that line up with the kind of car you want. And for you to be as fully functioning as possible, considering the specificity of you in your life, there is a framework of ingredients you're going to need. Uh, There's no magic bullet and one size fits all solution. And this episode is an intro to the framework that we're going to continue on with these ensuing Functional Friday shows. If you find value from the Self-Helpful Podcast, please subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and leave a rating or review and let other people know what they can get from this show. You can always connect with me at kevinmiller.co. So next up, I'm with Dr. Randy James, and we're going to talk about a health plan for you. So I thought a great place to start with this would be exercise because that's the age old question that you always get and you always not bristle, but you smile just like that. And it's so Dr. James, what is the best exercise for me? And the answer is the actual answer is the one that you'll do. It's not Pilates. It even might if, be. Even if they sponsor the show. Kevin, I would love to see you doing <laughs> Pilates. I've never done Pilates. <laughs> well, that is. So there you go. So how many people are out there wondering if it's, uh, I, I keep seeing more stuff, you know, it's yoga. It's, you know, we all know running. It's uh, Peloton. Um, I just got asked to, to do an ad for Tread, their uh, Peloton's new whatever, treadmill. Like, like what you've got, yeah, yada, yada. You know, but we've got all that. And so we're looking at, you know, is it muscle resistance? Is it cardio? Is it? Yoga. You know, the thing that I think about is that it'll always be all of those things. The Mm -hmm. debate will never end. There's always going to be the argument about what exercise is the best for what goals. Who are you trying to be becoming? And that is going to have the most powerful influence on what you decide to do. Well, hit, hit that because you talk about that. I and mean, we've got patients uh, at True Life Medicine who are, we've got a couple that are ultra endurance guys. And you're saying, I know your statement on there was, okay, they're running a, a marathon, but that's. Yeah, those guys aren't doing it to be healthy. Okay. In fact, to, the, quote, to quote Dave, it's to live the epic. Okay. So he has put in his life the goal of, Randy, I just want to, I want to live the epic. And I'm like, well, you got to kind of do some epic things for that. But most of us are not going to, it's not that we're sitting on the couch, but we're not going to stop doing what we're doing and go and train 80, 80 miles a week. Uh, My goals are different. And so I'm looking for something. So right now I place a big value on time. And so I need to do more of the hit training kind of an idea. Uh, but I'm also putting a big premium on that mind-body piece. So I'm, I haven't done it yet, but I'm enchanted with the idea of Tai Chi or yoga or Pilates and bringing the meditation into movement idea. Yeah. 
Well, so I'm, but your statement too of, you know, what is the best one? I remember you telling a friend of ours, I think it was Scott Stearman and he, and he was saying, I like badminton. You're like, great, do badminton, whatever. So just go to that. So the basics, I mean, obviously you would say uh, movement. I mean, that's what you talk about every day move. So start there. Every day move. And it's not fair to say that sitting is the new smoking, but we can certainly say most of us sit too much. So you and I are standing here. We both have standing desks, and that was an easy change that we could make that I, I guess I'm kind of proud of. That to you stay, can still sit there if, you, if you're totally sedentary standing. Would also have its downsides. Yeah. You, you're gonna, your posture is going to be bad. It's going to be bad for your hips and your knees, and you need to be sort of pacing if you're going to be standing. Uh, but I would say yes, movement. Um, and at the same time, I don't ever like, you, you see all the time, well, park in the farthest lot when you go to Walmart or something like that. And I'm like, at that point in time, time becomes a premium Mm -hmm. more so than, Oh, I get to walk an extra hundred feet or so. So for, for me that never works. And it always feels like, um, not enough. No, that is the funny one too, where we, you know, hire somebody to come chop our wood, mow our yard. And then we go to the gym, go to the treadmill. You could have done that stuff elsewhere but start i mean sometimes you do that okay if if we're starting at ground zero somebody who is not doing movement and you say okay every day it would be great i mean you and i talk about that you can be the old marathon runner who's just shuffling along without very good muscle tone and stuff likewise you can be the lifetime weightlifter guy who gets winded going up the stairs that if you're if you if you got to go for the basics because we all hear that is is 20 minutes a day is that a good timeline? Is it good to do a little cardio, little muscle resistance? Is that fair to say? If it, if it I hear you. The- so it does get a little bit confusing uh, because if we were to talk about our, our goals in terms of longevity and capacity and, and, and able to do some things, then there is some evidence that suggests that a 30-second sprint up a hill might actually be more valuable for your body than 20 minutes three times a week on the treadmill. Yeah. And so, so we, we, we take that information and we say, we, the HIT guy, and when I say HIT, it means high-intensity interval training. And now they're saying, okay, everything has to be high-intensity intervals. And it's like, well, now you're losing out on strength. Yeah. So, so like you and I, we're always like, you know, how do we boil it down to, to, uh, you know, short time, high intensity. I want to, I want to have capacity and be able to do things. And so that's why I'd say, all right, for exercise, we know there's, there's cardio, there's the cardio part, there's the strength part and there's the flexibility part. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. and well, right. I'm so you, do, fl- I, you ne- I have never seen you do yoga. I am so. not doing flexibility. <laughs> so, yeah, so to be candid, cause that's what you know, I intended. What do you do doctor? I mean, on, on mine, I am doing, I'm doing, I'm switching off days right now of hit workouts, about 10 minutes of a high intensity interval training workout, uh, weight lifting the other days. And then I want to go out and run a little bit and whether that's 20 minutes or an hour or whatever, I don't know, but that hits those doesn't hit the flexibility. That'd be where I'm missing it. And, but I'm doing those cause I want to be able, like we talk about, I want to be the 65, 70, 85 year old guy who can do some pull-ups. I can do some burpees. I mean, I've got the ability actually, no, we don't want to do that. I want to be the kind of guy who who's fit enough to do that. So I can, Go trampoline with go my skiing grandkids. Or, or yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I would also throw in there, you'd like to be the 80-year-old guy who could touch his toes or at least his knees, yeah, maybe. Well, and so I, I'm not, well, then that would be the thing. I am not living the life to be able to do that right now. 
So I'm right. It's it's actually kind of funny because uh, one of the one of the things that I'll ask older people uh, is can can you tie your shoes without sitting down? And the answer oftentimes is no, and it will begin in people's fifties and sixties. And pretty soon, I saw it in my dad as I thought back about this, is pretty soon you see a little stool or chair in their yeah. closet. Yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe in older people that you know. And that's because they can't get their shoes on. They can't bend down and, and tie their shoes. And I am not a flexible guy. So, yeah. so you're doing a little bit more, you know, you go out for a run and that kind of thing. And, and I think I'm, I'm doing more of mine on the treadmill because I'm... That I, I so I also highly prioritized able to read a book, and so that's what I can do on the treadmill. But in between, I look at my wife, and I know you have talked about this with your wife too, and she can sit on the floor so comfortably. Yeah. And in three minutes, my toes are asleep. So <laughs> yeah. I'm mad at that, and yeah. I want to be able to be well, bendy. But I appreciate that what you just said. So why are you doing the treadmill? A lot of times, it's because you've got family, you've got kids, uh, little ones that are there. You can't just go leave them or you've got some reading needed to do for the next, you know, medical learning or whatever. And so it's something, it's your badminton. It's whatever, at least you're doing. Yeah. And I I tell you, I, I'm very proud of my desk that is over my treadmill that I built. And, uh, that, that changed things for me to where I would have said in the past, I hate the treadmill. Yeah. I love it. Because I've got my phone, I got my music, I can put the computer there if I need to, and I've got a stack of books, and I can get a lot done. It's sustainable, you're moving. Sustainable. Yeah. All right, well, so, so a similar thing there. Here's another one, goals. There's a big one on the personal development side, goals. You know, everybody thinks that they should set goals. All right, so to be candid, I grew up with Zig Ziglar. I grew up with goals. I don't know if I got abused with it or what, but the word goals, it just doesn't ring my bell. It doesn't. It doesn't thrill me. I, I tend to more think about, you know, dreams about a vision, man, I've got a vision. I can see what life would be like this, or I want to achieve that. So put it in your terms. I think that that'd be my main thing here. Just like that exercise. What's the best, whatever one you'll consistently do overall, that's best goals. However you want to term it. And then should you have a, you know, a, a, a week getaway to outline your goals, put them on spreadsheets, cover the walls, or do you need a one page thing of what are some things I would like to achieve this day, this year? My thought is, uh, or my experience is whatever, whatever will do it for you. That, but as long as there's something, because if we don't have the destination, we won't hit anything. There's got to be something. Okay, so that, like that, that segues to, to how I would say it more in the true life languaging that yeah. true life is, is more that horizontal, fuzzy goal. Okay. I, I, I'm going north. I know I'm not going south. Yeah. And, so, and so, so I can narrow it down to a, a horizontal goal out there, and then it shifts more into the problem language, like, like you yeah. had said earlier, that, okay, in order to be the kind of guy at 65, 75, 85 who can go skiing if he wants to, then I kind of should be skiing at 50, or at least mm-hmm. able to. And that actually has a lot more to do with time management and family management than it does with body management right now. So, so then the, the problem in front of me is time management, money management, schedule management, and, and, but, and that's right in front of me. So, so goals, I would say, yes, more horizontal. What kind of a guy do I want to be? More vision uh, that, 
sort of directs me north instead of south. And then it does break down to, I think, a season or a year out and then the month-to-month problem that we are solving right now. And where I need to get a lot more work done on is to actually do the whiteboard, like you said, and, and go into a room with trusted friends and advisors, spouse, and say, all right, let's map out 2019. And I think if we actually even got good at that, that, that can be an hour-long thing and not a... I, it doesn't have to be a weekend. I agree. It's usually but, hard. It's just like a budget. The hardest meeting is yeah, the first one. And then if you do it consistently... I, you know, I like your horizontal approach. If you're east and you want to hit mountains or coast, you can get both of them by going to the west. How far do you want to go? If you go this far, you'll hit the mountains. You're going to have to go further to hit the coast. Let's say you want to hit the coast. Well, how specific do you want to be? If you're just happy to be at water, man, just make sure that you're going where the sun sets. If you want to be in warm water, you better head southwest, uh, California area. You don't want to end up in Seattle. Uh, But there, again, you're outlining how specific do you want to be, uh, how, yeah, there, the specificity of it. Well, the specificity. So facetiously in in the clinic, we'll ask a patient, well, goodness, are you aiming at the Olympics? Right. You know, pick something. And of course the answer is no. Well, are you satisfied with a, a nursing home? And just a rocking chair and a glass of sweet tea on the front porch. And most people will say, no, I'd like a little bit more than that. And now we start to say, okay, well, a year from now or five years from now, like for you and I, we said, hey, we want to be able to do 15 pull-ups. And we said, well, if we can't now, then we're on the pathway of not being able to. Right. Which, by the way, we can. We can. And so, but now we have to do them every day. And they're never fun. (laughs) At least not for me. It's like pull-ups and burpees. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Nobody, (laughs) those are terrible, but they're, they're very beneficial. You know, before we leave goals, I do want you mentioned the problem thing. So folks that was in the Ziegler show. So with Tom Ziegler, I did a show. He talked about that. He brought the study. I don't think he did it, but he talked about that, that they did a study and they asked people, are you more in essence, they were getting to the root of, are you more goal oriented or more problem oriented focused? And I think it was 80% of people said that they relate more, think more about problems. And in the context of this, they're saying, fine. So if you put out there and say, I want to make a million dollars. Okay. Or if the problem is, man, I'm not, I'm not able to do X, Y, Z for my family, for a mission, for a, whatever your goal is, because I don't have that money, it would help me to have a million dollars. However you want to phrase it. The point is we're still setting something out there as a horizontal goal. We're setting something out there and that will help dictate our steps going forward. So I hope that's enough. I think that's another that's a freedom aspect for some people. If goals, again, don't ring your bell, but you know, yeah, there are problems I want to solve. Could you sit down with that one pager and say, here are the problems I want to solve in the next year. I want my marriage better. I want my relationship with my kid to be better. I want my work life to be better. I want my income to be higher. I want my muscles to be bigger, my waist to be smaller, whatever. Fine. Then labeled as a problem. I think that's, well, if 80% of the people went with that, that must be freeing to hear that. I hope. I would agree. And now going into the reality of experience, and of course my lens is going to be with patients. Mm -hmm. And I've noticed that now after four years of doing the kind of medicine that we do uh, for people that want to pay a membership and come in and and have this kind of language, um, and I'll tease them about it because I will put out there, I'll, I'll say it's actually your homework. I want you to write something down. If you're not a journaler, then bulletize it. And 90% don't. Mm-hmm. They, they don't. And I would say, in a, in a confession, nor have I, mm-hmm. on a consistent basis. 
And so, yeah, I do. I, I would. It's very similar to the budget. It's goodness. I don't want to start that budget talk, but once we're into it, hey, this is beneficial. This is good. We should do this once a quarter instead of once every four years. And so let's endeavor then to put that out there because I do want to be one of those guys out there. Yep. All right. Benefit of setting a destination lease. All right. Next one. Nutrition and diet. Dr. James, what is the best diet for me? I love that one. Uh-huh. You only had a dime for every time. Right. And so obviously there can't be an answer. There can't be an answer, but tongue in cheek. But you, I mean, you have people who pay a lot, come in, sit down with you for a long appointment and they want to know. I mean, they're paying for that answer. They are. What's the best diet? And most often those people have also already read one book that says it this way, one book that says it that way. So they're all over the map. And they tried paleo, keto, Mediterranean, vegetarian, vegan, low carb, high high protein. Now it's high fat, of course, which, okay, so. So I, I think what we have now proven is that most people can get that there is no one right diet, like there is no one right exercise. With exercise, we can easily say, okay, move. Certainly with food, we can say, okay, well, you got to eat. Mm-hmm. And we can break it down to fats, carbs, proteins, and that kind of thing, and it, which is not helpful. And in fact, I will tell people I, I am not a calorie counter or a carb counter or a protein counter. Mm-hmm. So for me, and as a human relating to other people who are patients, it is asking them, well, what are your goals? Are, if, you know, mm-hmm. if these people are, if it's a weight loss focus or an energy focus or a hormone focus, I mean, there's going to be some determining factors there. But I think what we, what we would go out and say, look, all of us are mostly social eaters, that we eat with family. We eat with, uh, and you and I have talked a lot about how our schedules are around this thing of, of eating. And so... So for our family, we have put a lot of emphasis into eating together and eating the kinds of things that is, that is going to fit the whole family. So that's been my priority it was, for it was us. Yesterday, we were talking about intermittent fasting and you posing the question of, is intermittent fasting better to do where you eat in the morning, afternoon, and then don't eat in the night? For sleep and everything, we tend to say that would be better. But for yours and my life, where we go home and you and I cook in our homes, you know, half or I I do, I think a little more than half the time, which it's, it's not, it's miserable. It is not the idea to come home and cook for everybody else. And we're we're done at noon, which we've done, which when you do a three day (laughs) fast, you do that and it, and it, and it stinks. So we're joking a minute ago, not joking, literally, what is the best exercise? And you're saying, you know, in in essence, whichever one you'll do. However, if we come back to diet like this and say, which is the best diet? You wouldn't say that because whichever one I would do, well, donuts, uh, you know, hot pockets, that would taste really good. Okay. Don't do that. Uh, that's where we do need to find the one that resonates with your personal metabolic makeup. Yeah. I would, I would agree that, that here, especially in our culture, Culturally, we, ha- we do have a pretty good exercise awareness. Even though people might not do it, there's, there's language and there's awareness to that. So yeah. we can actually go out and say, hey. There's at least lots of guilt. Yeah. Lots of I shoulds. Yeah. <laughs> so people know they, they should. Okay, now which one should I do? And, I, and then it's a relief. It is freedom to say, gosh, whichever one you'll do. Yeah. You know, don't do what you hate. Yes. Go do what you love. So by the same token... I, like my favorite would be broccoli and Brussels sprouts. And if I'm eating by myself, then 
I have done that before, and it's, but that doesn't generally make the family happy, and so it, it doesn't get on the menu all that often in that way, uh, and, and most people won't do that. So, so if people say I won't eat broccoli, then we don't put it on the menu and say you should, but most people can improve, and so then it's it's okay down what pathway, and the the end result here, uh, honestly, and. And unfortunately, in terms of time and frustration is you're going to have to try it different ways. And, you know, granted, we're going to get deeper into this. This is more than a podcast. This is a, this is a whole po- This could be a whole show itself. But we're not going to do one just on eating, but it's a consistent part. I mean, this is one, you know, just to give a couple quick examples on that, that, you know, I would tend to think that, yeah, the kind of Mediterranean diet, uh, paleo, keto, they're, they're all pretty good. There's things in there like nightshades that wreck me. Doesn't make nightshades bad for you. It makes it bad for me. Why? My own brokenness. We don't know, but we figured that out. And it's the personal testing to figure out what is the secret sauce for Kevin's. Well, you talked about that today. You got a guy over here who's Mr. Vegetarian, vegan, whatever guy over here. Who's, who's paleo. If we set up, you know, 10 people each for each of those people, each of those guys and let them give their diet to those 10 people. Some of those people are going to flourish. Some of them are going to be mediocre. Some of them are going to die from that diet. It's so personalize. And, and, and the point being folks of bringing this up of if you're frustrated by trying the diet that whatever celebrity lost weight on or gained muscle on and the diet that this doctor said, or the diet that, and that's why I appreciate you as a doctor. Cause you're going to say there's, we don't know what's the best diet for you. We're going to figure that out. Right. The, the, the frustrating answer of it always depends. So Jane, uh, my nutritionist and I, we always joke and we say, okay, if, if you're going to pin me down and say, what kind of diet? I'd say the modified paleo Mediterranean diet. Which basically means anything I wanted to mean. <laughs> That's not helpful. Kevin, we're going to modify yours by taking out nightshades. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Absolutely. Right? And on, on the Mediterranean side, I don't mean more pasta and pizza. I do mean fish and salad. Yeah. And on the paleo side, we don't mean you should go out and eat a mastodon every night. You should. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Which I don't because I can't digest a stupid thing because, again... Of my own brokenness. Well, you know, again, we're going to be getting more and more into this because it's it's probably, you know, out of all the things we're going to talk about here, that's got to be one of the most frustrating. Absolutely. Goodness. Look at all the thousands of books, yeah. the diets, the stars and the experts who say, do this, don't do that. Yeah. And now we're, now we're getting into the quote unquote science of it. And now you have to eat for a microbiome or you have to eat, eat right for a blood type or you have to eat right for how many... And on one hand, I do like Dr. McCullough, and on the other hand, it's, you know, his, uh, one of his books, he actually said, hey, look, folks, you're just going to have to weigh your nuts, you know, and how many ounces of this kind of nut and ounces of that kind of nut. And I'm like, I- I'm not going to do that, yeah. and most people won't. And yeah. so, so we are, and we're Americans, so we don't have a national cuisine. It's a cuisine of everything, which is on one hand is good, and on the other hand, we have too many choices, too many opportunities, and now we're to the point where the vast or a significant majority of us are confused. If you're new to the show, we don't have the show on food and diet up yet. yet. If you've been here a while, look down because it will be coming soon. Well, hey, the next one I wanted to hit on, well, again, one of those questions is just personal productivity. We're in this this 
arena or, or no, no, this culture right now of everybody's overwhelmed. They're trying to figure out how can I get more done? How can you work smart? And you got a lot of people putting out a lot of different plans. So I'm holding up here for those of you who will see the video. This is Michael Hyatt's book. Uh, it's called free to focus. Just interviewed him on the Ziegler show. And he's talking to that cultural issue. We are all overwhelmed. And most of the time when we talk about productivity, it's what can we do to get more done? And his aspect that I appreciate in the book is how about getting the right things done? Do less, get the right things done, which, you know, again, we're not going to get into uh, the point of that. You can go listen to, to that show, but this is looking at that question again. What is the best thing for my productivity? Is it a daily physical uh, written planner? Is it this app or that app that helps me be it? Is it my Google calendar? Is it getting an assistant? And we're back to the don't know. Try a lot of different ways. What are your goals? What, yeah. What's the end goal for today? And it, I think for me, especially 2018, 19, I had to let things go in order to sleep. Okay. That has helped me be so much more productive. And yes, it means letting things go. Typically, you know, fun, relaxing things that tend to happen at nighttime in terms of TV and books and whatever else going on. So that felt like a sacrifice, and now it feels more like a regular habit that I'm grateful for. And uh, but you had to give up whatever was happening. Yeah. And I mean, whether it's entertainment it was or good con- things, connect- uh, yeah, uh, well, yeah, rest or, or uh, connecting with your wife, your kids, uh, somebody else, whatever, reading up on something that you care about. Uh, you know, part of this what I have found with myself and others too, is that it's, there's a per, look at your personality profile to some degree, because you get somebody who will write a thing on personal productivity and how to define it and detail it and whatever. You can probably figure out what personality type they are. And I'm not going to name those cause I don't know what personality pro you know, type everybody's uh, program they're looking at. It's a disc profile or Myers Briggs or, or Briggs or whatever, but that's going to fit them. That does not fit you and I, we're not detailed guys. We don't balance each other out in that aspect. And so, so much of it I come to is figure out what manages you. I use Google Calendar that comes up and says, Kevin, you have a, a show right now. I use that. I use sticky notes like a madman. Uh, staff uses those with me. Come, they know I respond to those. Put a sticky note on my desk, on my keyboard so I can't miss it. I use that. I use to-do lists on my uh, computer, different things. But I have figured out a weird way to manage myself in interviewing so many People who would say they're performing pretty high, uh, I find that there's no one thing that they all do. And some of them found some really goofy things, whether it's, you know, tie a string around your finger, write it on your hand, do whatever, but things to manage yourself. And, you know, to that point, yeah, again, there's a lot of options out there. What fits you? And I want people to hear that, that if they've heard their next door neighbor say, oh my gosh, this app or their boss, this app is kill. You got to do this. It'll help you get more done or help you manage yourself. And they're, th- and they just can't grasp onto it. That's okay. Well, thank you. Cause that was me. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I, me too. I, I felt bad that I did not have the latest app on how to manage my time. And I would go in there and then I would lose time mm-hmm. getting lost in the technology of the, of the thing. And yes, I need simple, direct, and unfortunately, I needed to be tied to my phone because that's what's there. Yeah. And the computer works for me because I'm standing in front of it. My wife, who's on the go every day, it's worthless. So she uses 
She actually uses handwritten little calendars. Have the handwritten calendars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even at home, that's what Mm -hmm. my family doesn't have an app. They have in the pantry one of those mammoth things, and that's what Terry says. Hey, if you want me to pay attention to it, it's on the calendar. Put it on the calendar. Yep. All right, supplements, Doctor James. (laughs) Supplements. That's one. And and I'll speak from the guy who does deal with new patients. uh, You know that they often are leery of that coming to an alternative type medicine provider. You're going to pump them full of $600 a month and a, a bevy of supplements, which we have firsthand account of one of your peers, an MD, functional medicine person that we won't name, who just did that to somebody that we know. Um, right. Much to our surprise. Much but, to our and chagrin. And, and chagrin. And so here's, we can't come to a bottom line about supplements and say, if I quote Kevin, hey folks, supplements are supplemental. Supplemental. I was quoting you. No, no. Well, the hey folks. Okay, right. <laughs> Supplements are supplemental. They will never be the, the final answer. And if somebody is not concentrating on the basics or in this, what I would say, the foundation, not, not, they're not basic because they're simple. They're basic because they're foundational. And supplements are then supplemental. They can certainly nudge somebody along, and sometimes they can be very powerful. But we never start there. But if never, you're, th- you're going to give a blanket, well, nevertheless, no, yes, a blanket statement that you that, that so folks, if you're doing the, you know, we just talked about diet a minute ago, and you're doing the, you know, the diet that that seems you know, a lot of well, we talked. Nobody's going to rarely are going to be harmed by more water or more veggies. Uh, you know, there are some 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 standards there, but that the best of us with the best organic, even if you're growing your own food, it's very difficult, especially in America. Uh, but more and more so in other countries to get everything you need out of your food. Even if you are eating the best food, you may have digestive problems like I, I do, and you're not assimilating them well. Thus, is there often a need for supplements? One, I guess is one question, one issue. And then the other, especially if you do have a significant deficit, you've got some pathology, you've got something wrong. Instead of hopefully using a pharmaceutical with its side effects, not that it doesn't have its purpose here and there, but instead of using that, can you use something that has, uh, it's better. Uh, Let's speak also to the, this is controversial and almost I would say more often you see a big report coming out in a newspaper or the headlines that say all those pills are taken are worthless. That fish oil was kind of the most recent one. I saw one this week, in fact, on vitamin D. And, and so, so here's how I would boil it down to say most of us are not growing our own food. We are not growing our own animals. We are not eating fermented food we are not spending enough time in the sun we're not outside and and especially so in colorado and the vitamin d question we are high latitude high longitude high altitude so even doing the lab work it's over 90 percent that i would say are clearly low okay so so as we've talked many times then then i do think there are several basic ones that most of us would and it's not that we would go out there and preach to the world and say the world needs to take more fish oil in order to cure heart disease and cancer uh, or that doing that would, would have any impact. I would say come at it the other way around and, and say we know if we go out and do average tests on average people that there are deficiencies. Mm-hmm. 
But they're, they're all over the map in terms of trace minerals, zinc and calcium and things like that in terms of the, the vitamin D and the probiotics. And we, we're all over the map because all of us are different, eating di- different kinds of foods and things. And so, so I do think that, it, that we can help people to say, okay, wh- what are you eating? What's going on? And, and let's just say that there's a thousand answers to that. Most of us are going to benefit, I would argue, from a good multi. Uh, because of what we just said. We don't know where our food's coming from or what kind of fertilizer we used. Or how much we're assimilating. Exactly how much we're assimilating or not assimilating. And and so because of that, I think there is going to be a value in a good multi. Now, what kind and how much and how many pills and, and what should it cost? And then I would say, well, the debate will never end. There's never going to be the right answer to that for everybody. Secondly, because of what we just said about Colorado and vitamin D, most people here, I would argue, are going to benefit from that. But you got to—I would think still. I mean, most people are—they wake up in a home, they get in a car, they go to an office, they come back. They're just not outside, so they're not getting God's vitamin D. Texas, California, uh, on the coast, we still see many, many people with relatively low vitamin D levels. Yeah. So it's easy. It's cheap. There's not a major downside to doing that. And in fact, there's arguably a major upside. And so a good multivitamin D and on the fish oil side, uh, or the omega three, really, I would say, goodness, go eat more fish. Mm-hmm. But what about mercury? And mm-hmm. what about, what about, what about, what about? And, the, and so if people love anchovy, sardines and mackerel, I would say knock yourself out. Don't worry about a fish oil. 0.011% of the population. All those people live in Norway and Chile and, Uh you know, places that are a fish-based economy. And, yeah, when when I lived in Japan and we go to the fish market, it's like, well, I'm I'm not eating most of what's here. Right. (laughs) It's just too different. And so on, I would say your food is your main medicine. And if somebody's out there and they're willing to go eat that kind of fish, I'd say that's best. Yeah. Don't spend money and time on a fish oil. But because we, we know, and there's plenty of studies, granted it's controversial, but I would say for the cost and for the risk, you're on the upside if you do a, a good high-quality fish oil, do it consistently um, on most days, and, and there's labs for that so that you can know where you are. But I would never go to somebody, and if they had cancer or diabetes, heart disease, say, well, gosh, it's because you're not taking fish oil. Okay, I want to hit that, but before we leave it, I, you just mentioned labs. I mean, that is we know we know from the, our, our supplement reps and and from just our own experience and experience with patients that the that word that that, that you don't like of uh, you know sticking with it compliance is <laughs> is very low. That we start taking our supplements and then we run out of them and you don't take them. And I, in my personal experience, most of the time is I've been taking them rock solid. I am pretty compliant with mine for three months, all this stuff. I didn't feel anything, but we, uh, you do, you do labs and that's difficult to go get your blood work done, take supplements and go get them again. It's costly. It's time consuming. It's not, it's hard for that to be sustainable for people, but you do see benefits with people. I mean, it does show up. So even though I may not feel, I'm not jumping, leaping tall buildings in a single bound. If my, whatever cholesterol got better, my thyroid numbers got better. My, whatever did that. Sometimes these things are doing things under the radar that we're not going to feel. And we're never, we're not going to know too, did we? And so now I am the 85 year old guy who's very virile. If I hadn't taken those supplements, would I have become unviral uh, at 75? 
So, well, let's also hear, like we did on the, on the other one, speak to the controversy. Okay. And, and it's not that we're right and everybody's wrong, and, and if the normal docs aren't doing these kind of things, it's because they're wrong. It's, it, it depends upon how you, what kind of lens you're going to use to look at the problem. Um, and so, uh, for example, people don't feel hypertension, generally. And yet your doctor is going to go and measure the blood pressure, whether you feel it or not. And if you say, I feel fine, but you're 200 over 100, it doesn't matter what you feel. You need help. You need help. This is, uh, this is a this problem. Is gonna, it's going to manifest. It will manifest eventually. Same thing. People say, people could say, I've been smoking a pack a day for 40 years. I can run a mile. It's no problem. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, well, okay. If, if your lens is, is that's, that's all your lens, then knock yourself out. You're doing great. But if you are saying, I want to be more confident in the prospect that I could be becoming a little bit more well, or at least have confidence in my 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and back to what our goals are, then I would say, okay, we do not live in a society that is accomplishing that very well. And it's not only about supplements and medicines and labs and that kind of thing, but labs are a tool, and not just labs, but even the tool of, can I bend over and tie my shoes? What's my waist-to-hip ratio? Do I, does my wife perceive that I speak kindly to her? Mm-hmm. Regardless of what I think about my right, words, right. that is going to feed back into my physiology, and, and that's the key. And so, okay, yes, we have the tool of labs, and from now on and forevermore, everybody's going to debate about, you know, what level of vitamin D should we be and what level of this and that and the other? And, and I would say, okay, in that arena, if we allow sort of squishy lines, and I love talking about that, and it helps a lot of people. It's a black and white answer on, Kevin, even though you don't feel so much better, when we look at your omega-3 level, it's in a better place. Mm-hmm. And maybe you need another three months or three years in that better place before a, a, an improvement manifests. Mm-hmm. Or at the same time, maybe we're not going to improve you at all, but we're hanging on to maintenance mm-hmm. at this better level. Yeah, keep you where you are for a long. Keep period you where of time. you are. Absolutely. Yeah. In contrast to what I think the healthcare system is basically looking for brokenness right. and fighting against that. So that's the paradigm shift. Okay. I, and I do appreciate what you said about being, you know, if you want to be on the upside, but this is not the, the, the cure all for everything. And I think that's where I know you bristle and you brought that to me. If, if you've got something wrong, you, you know, said cancer as an exaggerated standpoint, you've got this thing wrong. And then when you get fed that, oh my gosh, you just need fish oil or you just need this multi or you just need essential oils, nothing wrong with them. But is that one thing? Have you ever seen it cure? Uh, Well, no, almost never. Almost never. And I do bristle because there's, everybody has seen, you know, a book titled The Vitamin K Cure, The Vitamin D Cure, The Vitamin E Cure, The the Cholesterol Cure, The, and and then somebody. Superfruit. Well, you're right. We have uh, Zango juice and limu and, and green-lipped muscle and, and. uh, You may be on the upper side. It may help, but. None of us, nobody would ever, you just took a drink of water and I would say, well, did that cure you? And on one hand, it did. I'm just a dry mouth speaker, so I can't keep doing it. What cured you of dry mouth? (laughs) There you go. But if if we look at that cup of water to the person coming out of the desert uh, for three days and no water, that is a cure-all, right? In in that 
context. And so if somebody has a vitamin D level of one, that can be for that one unique situation, but that's almost never the case. It's always complex. Yeah. Uh, you know, before we jump off of this one, and again, folks, this is an entire show. It'll, it'll be coming if it's not there already, but on this, just to speak to the efficacy of supplements that if you are buying your supplements at Walmart at bottom of the rung prices, if you're buying them at GNC, if you're buying them at whole foods, if you're buying them from your doctor, uh, whatever that, uh, well, obviously, you know, higher quality, we would know in anything, even if it's fish, if you're going to get the bottom of the barrel junk farm raised salmon, it is, it does not have as much value in it as one that you just caught out of the stream up in Alaska. So to a supplement, same thing. How long has it been in a hot warehouse sitting for half a year? Uh, what were the ingredients, the value of the ingredients that it was originally made with? You know, how soon have you gotten it? What kind of shape is it in one? And then, but then even on that, aren't there some where that aspect is more important than in others? Is that more important in a probiotic? I'm asking actually, I'm assuming, but I don't know. Is that more important in a probiotic than a vitamin D supplement? Yes. And, and, and I, I just have to begin also acknowledging the controversy that there is a lot of shenanigans out there in the supplement world and on both sides. I think the, mm-hmm. the guys making the highfalutin, very expensive, you know, clinician only supplements are probably overstating their case that, oh my gosh, you don't want to buy this from Walmart or something. And, and at the same time, I think a lot of other people are stating, you know, vitamin D is vitamin D is vitamin D. And, and so I would argue that there are several areas where you are more wise if you, <clears throat> if you think about the quality and your trust factors and can you trace that back to its original source. So fish oil, uh, probiotics, yes. I mean, those are living critters. Yeah. Are they alive? How do you know? How do you trust? And, and to be honest with you there, I think trust might even be the key word because whether you buy from from a big warehouse or Amazon or from one of the other sellers, you you are, or if you buy your car from Toyota or uh, Yugo, you are trusting the manufacturing source and history. Right. And you know we can debate forever about Toyotas and Hondas or Ford and Chevy. But in general, there's, okay, well, there's the sameness. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot with the, the thing of, you know, when the doctor sits there and says, you can do this or that. And you find like, what would you do would- if it's your kid, your person? So I'm going to disclose that you, Dr. Randy James, in your practice in Woodland Park, Colorado, True Life Medicine, you are selling supplements, most of the majority of them, 95% of them that you can only People can't buy in the general public. And folks, I'm saying this. We're not hawking them. I'm not telling you how to get them from us. So just for a caveat is that, but you're selling somewhere, you know where the source is, that it comes directly from the manufacturer to you. And there are companies that do not sell on Amazon because they're afraid if they do that, somebody else buys them. They could sit in a warehouse for however long that's hot and, and uh, uh, light and um, damp would be you know the killers of that. So for your patients, you are trying to get them as close to the source as you can because over time, obviously, you do have enough belief in that to do so. I do. That we probably sell out of the office, what, a, a t- 
tenth, a fifth of what's available in the catalogs of any of these oh, companies, right? right There's right, right. hundred pages and we're, oh, we're yeah, selling. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, they, if this company has 400 uh, different supplements, you're only we're selling doing 30 10 or yeah, something. Right. Yeah. So, so there's that. And because, and, but the ones that we do do are the ones that I think, okay, we're dealing with people who have a significant amount of pathology. And what I discovered in the past was if I said, Hey, go and just procure on your own XYZ vitamin, then several things would happen. Uh, most often they just wouldn't do it. It was, or they would forget and it would just not, not happen. And, or, or secondly, they would do it for a month and then forget. And thirdly, they would do it for three months and then the results would not be what we wanted them. And then we would scratch our heads and say, well, maybe it's because it was from this store, that store, this kind or that kind. And there for the clinic work, there was too many variables. And so for them to get from A to B, that is their goal, then I said, okay, well, we want to know exactly what you're getting and, and where it came from because we are banking on the fact that we're going to get you from here to there. Mm-hmm. So does everybody out there in the, in the world need to get you know, clinician-approved XYZ supplements from somewhere? And I'd say, no. Uh, it depends on what your goals are. And, and I think you know, we can boil it down to wherever people find themselves – at, at whatever, if you're an Olympic athlete, then we know those guys, just like the guys who are driving cars 200 miles an hour, care about what kind of oil they put in the thing. And you and I don't care about what kind of oil we right. use. Right. For our bodies, I'm going to not care very much about where the magnesium citrate comes from. And I'm going to care a whole lot more about where the fish oil probiotics come from. And, and in that light, I also do care. Well, what about magnesium glycinate and other kinds? Then we care. Yeah. Well, and there's, there's, those would be great things as we talk about this to over time have resources. Hey, if you want to get a download of which supplements do you, you know, should you pay more attention to than others as far as that comes from, here's a list. I, I would love to provide those resources to you, guys, to you folks. So that's something that we can work on in, in the coming days. So a couple more things on this. Again, just hitting this aspect of what is the best whatever and saying it depends upon you, who you are what's happening. So career and business I have on there. And as we're speaking to, you know, I think mostly an adult crowd who is probably already in a career. I mean, obviously for those who are younger looking at where to go in, I hope that most people know, well, I know they don't because we still hear the stories of, you know, there's good money to be made in accounting or in engineering. Or right now we have stuff coming out about, you know, here's where they're seeing a lack and they're paying more and people are paying attention to that. Not that it's not valid, but it's irrelevant next to what are you made for? So I would say the same thing in business because we do have a lot of people on the Ziegler show. So many people who are looking at different business opportunities and saying, gosh, where's money to be made? And you know, the, the, the so often one is online, you know, do an online business. Should you do direct shipping stuff? Should you do Amazon stuff? Should you do uh, coaching consultants? Should you do, I don't know what do we don't know. It's back to the diet thing. We don't know you until we know your skills, abilities, propensities. A uh, story I really love, my dad, Dan Miller, that he told a lot of times, just because it was kind of a stark uh, issue, Subway franchises. I mean, those statistically are a home run for most people in most places. You put do a Subway franchise, it's just going to do well because it's the brand and people go there. And he had a guy, it was a guy who made a lot of money in the corporate world. 
He was looking at stuff. This is before he talked to my dad, of course, but he's looking at stuff and he got in there. He had a friend of a friend because you could not just anybody can go buy a subway franchise. They're so in demand that you kind of have to have an insider source. He got that. He went in, he put his money in, put a subway somewhere and it tanked. And they're wondering why. Because the guy didn't like people that much. That, that sounds bad, but he didn't. Uh, he wasn't a social guy. He was an introverted guy. He didn't do that. Meanwhile, we know another guy who has, I don't know how many franchises he has at this point, loves it. He is a people guy. If he needs to fill in, he goes in there. If he's hiring young kids, man, he can jive with them and talk to them. I mean, it fits him. And so even there where you have something you think of, man, it doesn't matter who you are or where you are, uh, what you do. Put a subway franchise, you'll knock it apart. No, you won't. So if you take that as an exaggerated standpoint and come over here and say, Say, where should your kid go directionally career-wise or where should you go with a side business or self-employment? We're back to the same thing. I don't know. It let's, depends. Let's learn about, well, let's <laughs> learn about you. What's your personality style? What's your bents? What's your skill sets, talents, giftings, abilities, uh, yada, yada. And it's a huge, all important decision. That's where your success rides and where is your direction. I mean, you, you went into medicine. Well, no, you weren't going to, I wasn't, your dad no, was, no. you were kind of thought to, and then you said no. Right. It, it, uh, it, yeah, I am a good example of that, that weird career path that I thought I was going to be a history professor, a, a teacher and wound up teaching English when I was a grad student in Germany. And then it became very clear. I don't want to be a teacher mm-hmm. that, uh, people's success, it felt like they were depending upon me and that if they weren't learning, it was my fault. Mm -hmm. That was a very uncomfortable uh, kind of a place. And something you and I have talked about a lot, and as I was in my late 20s back then thinking through what am I going to do, it it became what am I passionate about? Mm -hmm. What can I do that I'm passionate about and, and then I trust the money will follow? Well, so I'm going to go back to supplements because you were saying, you know, if you want to be on the upside, give yourself in essence the best chance. Yeah, these some supplements are probably going to help you. There's a lot of baggage, especially in the business development, personal development world about passion. Go after your passions because you have some people. There's a couple of people I really respect who say that's a bunch of crap. You go after something that's solid and whatever. Mm hmm. I would, but we, I mean, my gosh, the stats seem to speak for themselves. If you do have passion for it also, you are on the upside of your propensity to have success, to have longevity. We just did an an interview with uh, Alan Stein, whose book, Raise Your Game, and he went in, he's talking about NBA pro players, and the average, just blew me away, I don't know if you knew this, I don't think I told you that, the average tenure time in the NBA of of an NBA player is three years. Oh, wow. And now you've got guys like, you know, Kobe Bryant and other ones that have been like 15 years, man. These are like the godfathers, grandfathers, you know, of this. That is not the norm. So they're going in and saying, that's what Alan did in his book, Raise Your Game, and saying, what uh, what will tell us if this is somebody who's going to go for the long term? And one of their primary issues, number one, was self-awareness. Number two was passion. Do they really have a passion for the game? Or did they just find out that they're tall, they're quick, they're good at it? Which, my gosh, I mean, that's that. They're all good at it. They're all good at it. And that, but there, there you go. There's our American, not to just diss the American education system, but we generally tend to, well, in education and in work, go, gosh, Bob is good at that. Bobby, Johnny, whatever is good at that. Let's push him, you know, let's push him that direction. He's good at math. He should be an accountant, only to find out he's good at it. He doesn't like it. Right. There's no passion. And the longevity doesn't stick. So I I like that. You're saying passion. That, that, man, there's, you'll be on the upside. 
You'll be on the upside. It is generally better to be passionate about what you're doing. Maybe we should call this show the upside. The upside. The upside show. (laughs) It it works. Well, and medicine might be a good example because they're, and I would imagine that everybody knows out there, they know of a doctor who isn't, he might be passionate about what he thought medicine was, but then you get into the daily grind and it's the grind. And every job has the grind. And it's the rare you know, in my, my history was family practice, and so it's the rare family medicine doc that loves it. And most of them are putting in their time. Yeah. And I'd say that is true for so many of them. And I remember my switch uh, on the day I decided, you know, I, I think I could do that. I could submit my life to, to pursuing a career in medicine in watching my dad, who went from being a very successful surgeon mm-hmm. to learning about functional medicine back when that was not very cool, losing kind of his surgery basis. He continued to do surgery, but far less. So he made much less income, but his job satisfaction went up mm-hmm. so much to the point where for a season of his life, when he would come home and tell us you know, about whatever patients of the day, there, he would bring tears to his eyes. So I I love what you said a minute ago, looking at what is this going to look like that has helped me as a father help direct my own kids interests um, by asking that question, would you be okay doing this every day? And it it happened back when, when I was teaching self-employment and somebody would say, okay, I have these interests. Here's five interests. What would you enjoy doing day in and day out when it's not super fun? Because there is a part of any passion. There's still a job. There's still work to be done, man. That helped people narrow down so much when they looked and gosh, everybody, well, like you. So every day I'd be going from patient to patient, talking with individual people, meaning I got to be on every day. It doesn't matter, Randy, if you're sick, if you're upset, uh, no matter what you feel, mm. you're going to have to go talk to that person who's paying for you to help them. You can't go in. Well, you can't because you're, oh, that's going to sound bad. I can't say that. Um, I, I, it's happened before when doctors have gone in with a bad attitude with a patient, but you know, in the, in the realm that we have, you're not going to do that. You've got to be on. It's good to know that it, it would be good for somebody who's looking at going in, knowing the cost of that day in and day out. Grind sounds bad, but there, there's some of that thing. The drudgery. Every, sure. every job has that. Something I, that is interesting is, is uh, one of the principles of a functional medicine approach is that you, the very first thing you do is you gather yourself before you go into the room. And so what I've started doing is sort of bustling into the room after coming out of a room where there's, say there's a big diagnosis, there's, there's tears, there's, there's frustration, and, and you work with a, an actual human being through that. Then you leave, you, you sort of wrap that all up. Here's what we're going to do. And now you've got to turn around and go into the next person. Mm-hmm. And I find myself looking into their eyes, and that'll be more my trigger of saying, let me take a deep breath for you. I've hmm. invited them into my own frustration to say, well, first off, I'm so sorry I'm a little bit late. And here's why. This poor person that you don't know, and I don't share a name or something, but they had a, a huge diagnosis. And I've got to let that go. Now we've got to get into your diagnosis. And all right. I'm thinking Gandalf. It wasn't he the line, the deep breath before the plunge. Yes. And that's, that's good. That's good for all of us. For, a, for all of us. The deep breath before almost anything. Yeah. All right. Sleep. Dr. <laughs> James. What? That's How one long I, should I sleep? Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a little different from that. But, but people are asking, you know, how long? When should I go to bed? 
When should I get up? What's optimal? I mean, that's the question. And, and we thank goodness sleep is coming to the forefront of health and wellness topics because we're all we're met, we're manifesting bad. You know, yeah. Yeah. Gosh. So we are in a we are in an insomnia epidemic. And there's so many roots to this. We, we could blame the screens, the TVs, the computers. We can blame blue light. We can blame electromagnetic frequency on all the time. We can blame so many things. And I, I would say so on the upside that most of us are underslept. And we have young kids. It begins, I would argue, in elementary. As I have a... a, a an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old, and there's always what they perceive of as interesting things to do at night. Mm -hmm. And it begins there. And then in high school, you know, now the kids are doing it to themselves. They want to accomplish things, and interesting things are happening at night. And then the habits begin. So without a doubt, there's, there's big issues regarding circadian rhythm and exposure to light and what kind of light. Um, and... It is one of our foundations. The sleep, and not just sleep, but regular sleep, rhythmic sleep, efficient sleep. Um, it isn't normal to snore, regardless of what people say. It's not normal to mouth breathe, Kevin. Yeah. It's not normal to have to get up at night and go to the bathroom. These are, these are We have normalized them, but they are not normal. And they're not, that is not the upside. So it's chipping away at our sleep foundation. Well, let's hit that big, I don't know if I want to call it a myth, but the thing that we tend to talk about is the time of sleep. It's, this is like the thing with relationships, with your kids, with your spouse, what's better, quality or quantity? You know, we can ask the same question here with sleep because we talk about how much sleep. That's well, it's like that with water, you know, how much water. Everybody's trying water. to say, you should drink this much water. Well, you're going to go, it depends. If you ran a marathon, you need more. If you're sedentary all day, you're going to need less. But in here, so sleep, how much do you need? You could say the same thing there. It depends on your physical activity and how much output. But even more so, what you and, and our, our own research into sleep is, is what is the quality? That's the one that's gotten me because I realize that I am getting from the time I go to bed, the time I get out is pretty good. But how I feel it depends on what was the quality of that sleep. And I generally would say, gosh, yeah, I know. I remember last night I was tossing and turning, you know, so it makes sense. But there are some times when I feel like, gosh, I don't remember a thing. It seems like I slept soundly. I don't feel rested and recovered. And now we're going, how do you know? Which, of course, that's what you, that's a bent that you've been on. Yeah, we've been talking a lot about that. And I think you and I are also good examples where you have done a better job at getting more sleep time. Uh, just okay, longevity, so quantity. Quantity. And I would argue mine has been higher quality insofar as I go to bed and for less hours, but I wake up rested and I don't wake up in the in-between. Yeah. Um, and... As, as I've been looking at it in, in my own life and self and working on it, I have noticed that if I cross the eight-hour mark or maybe seven and a half on a regular basis, it makes a big difference mm -hmm. in quality of the day um, and, 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 and goodness. There's, how do you prove that? How do you, there's no labs for this. Um, well, but it's sure. Yeah. But, but it's also, I mean, my gosh, I have, what would you call it? Evidence-based stuff. I mean, either I'm sitting here at two o'clock getting ready to do a show and I am jazzed and I am inspired. My adrenaline's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm amped to do it. Or I'm sitting over the desk beforehand going, Oh my gosh, man, I, I could go take a nap right now. That's, I mean, that's affecting my, 
it's affecting my income, bottom line, not, I mean, much less my attitude. Um, affecting your whole life. It's affecting it's, my whole life. I mean, so I see it there and then I'm going back going, why is my sleep poor? And just to pull out a couple of things there, I mean, I've realized, or I say, well, I, I have, I'll own it. But I mean, we know this across the board that there's, it's food. What did I eat? Um, how is it affecting my, my body and my ability to get into deep when did sleep? you eat? When did I eat? When did I drink? And am I making myself get up and having to pee? Right. I, I struggle with that. Even, even in trying not to do the wine at night. Uh, so I'm replacing it with seltzer water and drinking too much. And I have to get up and pee. Well, I just screwed up my sleep. So I have to have the discipline to not drink any liquid, uh, too far into the night. Yeah, I'm, I'm smiling because it, it it's, complex. it's complex. Not to mention the the bl- the lights, the blue lights, the timing of that. Some people right. are very sensitive. Uh, the timing of your exercise. Are you exercising too late? Yeah. Um, Coffee. The, the timing of the caffeine and your caffeine sensitivity level and your stress. And, and you have an argument with stress your spouse. response. Yeah. Right. Uh, the late night conversation that gets the blood going. Um, all of these things are broiling around in, in this in this brewing pot that we get, that we're going to call somebody's recovery. How much sleep do they need? The quality of sleep, and so so it's very hard to get to a, a foundational statement there. But but if we take our best stab at it, is is we would say well it depends and you need enough. Mm-hmm. Okay, so for the average adult, if we speak to adults, I'm going to argue the six to seven hours is not enough for most of us, and I bet there's a solid percentage of people who are lucky to get six. Yeah. Okay. And, well, go ahead and, and speak because on that thing of how do you know, which has been the frustrating thing, um, you're wearing a ring right now. Well, right. Because I you. was the guy who made it through, uh, you know, the latter part of college. Well, college was okay. But then starting grad school and med school and all that kind of stuff, you know, goodness, averaged six, meaning half the time it's less than six. And didn't really feel it. I could do it. But again, it's, it's like the guy who's smoking, not a, he says, well, not a pack a day, but a half a pack a day. And I can do that for how long and, and sustain what kind of level. And, and I am convicted. And even though I couldn't tell, now that I'm focusing much more on sleep and we've got the aura ring, I am noticing that in subtle ways, I am better if I am more militant about the go to bedtime. That's the hard one for me. And, and you and I, years ago, I know you talk a lot to the, your Ziegler interviews about, you know, what's your morning routine. Mm-hmm. And so that's very important to me to, to do the devotions and have a, a time of solitude and to sacrifice time in the morning in order to do that. Well, that means you are sacrificing something on the other end on the go to bedtime. And so what I didn't know was, you know, five hours, six hours, what was going on in there. And so now we have all of these. We have Fitbits that monitor sleep and your REM sleep and deep sleep. And you know, I think we're still in the early stages of that. But I'm leaning towards almost the idea of requiring that people do some kind of sleep monitoring because the reality is you don't know. Just like you don't know your blood pressure, you don't know your cholesterol, you don't know your vitamin D, you don't know your quality of sleep unless you look. Well, and this could be a great summary right there of the point of this show, of this episode, and even of this show. 
of saying, you know, we all want to be weller, as Mm -hmm. you say, we all want to be weller. We want to have our performance better, our joy, our happiness. Uh, We don't want to feel lesser than. So we all want to, what is going to get us there? And it's a, an individual approach. It's a comprehensive approach. It does take work. It's frustrating. I think that's the uh, something that you're good about doing and saying this is not an easy thing. There is no easy fix. It's frustrating. You get mad when somebody uh, purports that there is. Well, right. That, and at the same time, it's 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 never ending. Mm-hmm. It's a journey, and along the way, there's a lot of encouragement. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're to that okay. bothness kind of a phrase that mm-hmm. that somebody's got to. And, and the word you've been using is awareness. I mean, my goodness, people. Don't walk into this kind of a thing and think it's going to be easy. That, nor is this going to be a slog up Mount Everest and the worst possible thing. This is this is life. You know, to speak to that real quick, when people see results, I mean, I can say that from four years here in the practice with you. People see results; they are stoked, and every effort was worth it. It it definitely becomes worth it, and the best motivation is feeling better. No, and the. the the second best motivation is pain. <laughs> Don't wait for the pain. Use wisdom. Yeah. And feeling better is feeling better. Well, there you go, folks. So I hope you get a, there's a there's an overview flavor of the point of this show, which is meeting you in the crucible of those gosh, real aspects of life that you're trying to find a solution for. Everybody's got one. What's yours? We want to help you figure that out. All right, friends, I trust that gives you a good concept, again, of your wellness framework. In the next Functional Friday episode, we'll start getting more specific and into food. Thank you for choosing to tune in to the Self-Helpful Podcast. If you got value from the show, I ask you to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes and leave a rating or review. Let people know what you think of the show, good and bad, and uh, what they can expect to get from it as well. I sincerely hope I've helped you help yourself.